Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel. My name is Matthew and thank you for being here for another episode of Beyond the Lines. It's the show where we get an opposition supporters view when it comes to previewing Newcastle's next game. And this Saturday, 5.30, under the lights at Selhurst Park. It's the Darren Ambrose derby as Newcastle take on Crystal Palace. And to help me preview this one, I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest You might know him as HLTCO on Twitter from the HLTCO podcast. But now we get to see his beautiful face on his very own YouTube channel. It's the brilliant, it's the beautiful, it's Dan, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing, sir? Thank you very much for that intro, mate. I'm not sure I quite deserve it, but you know, I'll, take, <laughs> I'll take it where it comes. You know, it's, it's a very strange thing, you know, putting your face out there for the first time because... yeah. I don't know, you spend 10, 12 years with no one knowing what you look like and all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, that's you. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a bit weird. Like I went to Chelsea last weekend and there were people coming up the stairs on the concourse and they were like double taking. And I wasn't yeah. sure, because I, I was completely, that's an alien thing to me, right? Of course. So then I, I was sort of eviling them back because that's, I'm like, what are you looking at? But that's because <laughs> I'm not, uh, it's because I'm not used to the concept of someone recognising me in the street. So yeah. I, it's, well, I'm taking, take it as a compliment, mate. They're recognising well, you yeah. because they're taking your good work and they've now got a face to put to that good work, you know? So exactly, but yeah. we appreciate you taking the time to come on this. We're, we're obviously getting you in because of your point of view when it comes to your beloved palace. Um, let's talk about Crystal Palace just in general first. I mean, sitting in 12th in the Premier League, a very sort of symmetrical season going on, 1-6 through 5, lost 8. Coming off the back of a, a good point against Man United, though, a very informed Man United. Uh, 18 goals in 19 doesn't look too clever, but coming off the back of, of Man United, a draw at home, um, how have you seen this season so far? It's been... It's been up and down. There's no, there's no getting around it. You know, you look at the first year under Vieira and it was very much a, an upward curve because we were transitioning from the Roy Hodgson style of play 
to you know a, a far more expansive style. And I think it really worked well in that first year because Conor Gallagher was there and it all felt fresh and new. Um, but we have struggled to sort of maintain that level of momentum this season. And, you know, we've got a lot of talented attacking players, Zaha, Eze, Elise, etc. But we, we've lacked a bit of bite in the middle of the park for me this term. Mm. Whether that's just Conor Gallagher's absence, you know, you've got James McArthur as well, who's been a, a very long-term energetic figure in the Palace midfield that we haven't had all season because he's had knee injuries reason he's 35 now and Czech Koyate as well was you know not necessarily a regular starter for us last season but he was a regular squad player and he's now gone to Nottingham Forest so we signed Czech Decore to sort of plug the gap of three players but it's been very difficult to, to maintain that level of momentum but it feels like to me at least the last two games away at Chelsea and then Manchester United last night we've got out I don't know if I can swear on it or not but it feels like we've Koshka, got go for it well, I was going to say bollocks, <laughs> but, but yeah, it just feels like we've got a bit of Palace back in us. You know, I mean, I don't know whether you watched or, or your listeners and viewers watched us last night, but as much mm. as statistically we weren't necessarily on the ball as much as United, we felt like we were we were there and, and competing, which is more than you can say really for the sort of four or five weeks immediately prior. It, it did seem it did seem that um, I mean, as much as. Perhaps you didn't take care of the ball as much as you would like to, quality-wise, in the first half, at least. You carved out chances and you certainly had that bite about you to win the ball back and compete in different areas of the park, which which is something that maybe, like you say, has been lacking a bit at Palace. Um, you've said about being on the upward curve under Patrick Vieira. We'll talk about him a little bit now. Um, year and a half in charge. It felt like longer. When I saw that the other day, I thought, I thought he'd been there longer. Uh, 66 games in charge. Are you still thinking that Patrick Vieira is the man to take you forward? Has he, has he shown you anything that gave you any doubts? Or is he, is he definitely someone who you're holding a lot of stock in right now? I think, from my personal point of view, you know, when, when Steve Parrish was first in charge, we went through... A, lot, a large list of, of managers, whether you look towards Sam Allardyce coming and then retiring or Tony Pulis leaving and the whole court case that surrounded that. Obviously, Frank De Boer came in and that was a, an experiment that went wrong, basically. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we pulled the trigger very early there, but there were plenty of people in the media saying that, oh, Parrish doesn't like to keep managers around too long. He's trigger happy. But you look at Roy Hodgson and the stability that he brought, and it was the complete opposite of that. And I think there's been a real buy-in from the club as to the project under Patrick Vieira, not just in terms of the players that we've signed, because you can look towards the age profile and how low that's got. But also, we've got a Category 1 academy now. That in itself is sort of long-term future-proofing us. And I think there's a real hope that we can keep Pat around for another three or four years and really start to reap the rewards of that Category 1 academy to the point where we can start potentially bringing one or two players into the first team every year from the 21s and the 18s because, you know, we haven't got the biggest ground. In terms of corporate hospitality and, and gate receipts, we can't compete with your Newcastles and your West Hams. So we have to differentiate ourselves and, and the academy in itself does that. You know, Aaron Wambasaka, who of course played last night, we sold him for £50 million. You, you can't generate that sort of money in the transfer market through wheeling and dealing unless you do the Brentford model and I think that is part of why hopefully the long-term prospect under Patrick Vieira will be there because he will encourage the youth development as much as trying to sign the right players alongside it. So what looks like a good season for Crystal Palace then? Is that, with all, all that taken into account I know you appreciate you, you, you sort of competing with and trying to punch above your weight a little bit when it comes to generating funds at least 
what looks like a good season come 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 May, and what and what do you hope that you might might make additions this month to try and kick this on a little bit? I think there's a real desire at the club to sort of make sure that we've got more legs and more energy in the side. Will Hughes came in off the bench against Chelsea, but he started last night and he's got more bite about him than Jeffrey Schlupp. He will put, you know, rough challenges in as and when necessary. He's pretty much a guaranteed booking. But I was saying this to someone the other day, he's not the sort of player that gets booked and you think, oh, that's a ridiculous foul to make. He does it at the opportune moment. He sort of yeah. understands the flow of the game and he's got that sort of agginess to him that I like in a sense. The yellow forward. he took last night, the yellow he took last night is yeah. a good example, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because it was no, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was nowhere near the ball and we all knew he wasn't <laughs> going to win it. And and there wasn't even really a reason to do it, but it just felt like it was a momentum stopper. And I think yeah. that's where his game intelligence is there. So I think we will look to get another central midfielder in, in this window, if we can. Um, in terms of what a successful season is for us, I don't, I don't know if you've looked at our fixtures between now and the end of March. They are an absolute shit show. Like, <laughs> the, the fixture list in itself is, is so cruel to us this year because it started very difficult. We had Arsenal at home on the first day and it didn't let up for a couple of months. Then you go through this batch where they're winnable games, one after another, but then we've got another run now. I think... The easiest game on paper that I can see between now and the end of March is Brentford away. That That's how difficult it is. We've got wow. Arsenal, we've got Brighton twice, we've got United again in a couple of weeks, we've got yourselves on Saturday, uh, we've got Villa away. It's just it's just relentless. Um, and if we can get to the end of March and we're still sort of 15th, then I think we can, ca- we can kick on and, and potentially finish around 12th. But it, it's all about sort of keeping your heads above water and not losing momentum, which is why that performance and point yesterday was so big, really. Yeah. I mean, there was a question I was going to ask later when we came on to sort of our sort of predictions for the game, but I'll ask it now. You've just said there, and it's with, with getting an opposition's perspective, opposition fans' perspective, sorry, you've just said there about the fixtures being tough and, and having sort of included Newcastle in that. I appreciate as we talk now, we are in the top four, which is great uh, for Newcastle supporters, but... With what's happened and went on at Newcastle since last January, you know, October we got took over. Um, does does the view of, of, of fans like yourself, does the view of Newcastle from the outside looking in changed quite a bit? I mean, this game mm. in the past would very much be a mid-table, lower mid-table sort of battle, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that. I actually said to a group of my mates, we all go together to Palace. Um, when we played you at, at St James's, that prior to the game, I was any point here is massive for us, mm-hmm. and there was still a little bit of well, you know, we should probably be going up there, not expecting a point, but sort of seeing that as the base of of yeah. expectations. And for me, I, I could see the, the growth of momentum in that side. I think it, it's very difficult, and obviously, I sound like I'm pandering to the audience here a bit, but it's <laughs> difficult. It's difficult to explain what Newcastle is like until you've been there. And as a Londoner, yeah. I've been to Newcastle two or three times. That goldfish bowl, it sort of, for my money anyway, it works both ways. Because when it's negative and the Mike Ashley era was there, it can be a runaway train of, of you know, bad energy. But similarly, yeah. at the moment, you've got this tidal wave of positivity with Eddie Howe, with the money. But even the players that you've brought in. I don't necessarily feel like it's it's like a Manchester City project. I don't think it's just throw everything at it and see where you land. I think it's been very savvy. You know, even players like Isaac and Grimaris, yes, they're obviously a cut above what you had before, but they're not superstars. They're they're yeah. relative rough diamonds that can be sort of built upon. You know, I remember when we had Conor Gallagher 
on loan last season. And I thought there's a player that Newcastle could easily buy and keep in their midfield for the next five or six years as a player that can sort of grow with a club. And I think the transfer business has sort of reflected that. So, yeah, from my point of view, obviously we're at home and, and the point that we got last night is a massive one. It helps us with the momentum going into Saturday. But I still feel like a point would be a very good result for us. That's that's how I view Newcastle at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with the whole goldfish ball and and with the the sort of the shrewd signings that we've made. And it, it it's very much put us in good stead because you can only go up from here if you're going to keep building. But let's talk about Palace's players and and you know you can't talk about Crystal Palace without mentioning one Wilfred Zaha. Um, I wouldn't say he's coming into the twilight of his career. That's probably a bit unfair. He's a fit lad. Um, he, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an athlete. Um, he's 30 years old now. Um, I know he's obviously massively high regarded when it comes to Palace fans. Outside looking in, I think he can be a bit inconsistent, but he definitely can affect a game 100% no end. What's your thoughts on him as a player objectively now? And do you see him probably seen out his career at Palace now after being linked away for so many years? He's out of contract in the summer. Um, he mm. signed a five-year deal in 2018. He obviously tried to leave before. There's, there's been plenty of conversation about Wilf and, and whether or not he's got a bad attitude. He hasn't got a bad attitude for me because at no point is he ever down tools. He, I, I think he's actually incapable of downing tools, if truth be told. He just doesn't have that mentality. He is very much someone that will step across the white line and just give 100% by his very nature. And I have a very, I say, protective view of him. I feel like he often gets talked about by neutrals as someone that hasn't fulfilled his potential, right? And that's because he went to Man United. We all know he was Ferguson's last signing. He never got to play under Fergie. David Moyes went in. He didn't have faith in him. It was a very difficult situation for Zaha that because, I mean, I was watching this morning, Jesse Lingard being interviewed in the podcast and he said that Ferguson gave him a huge amount of faith and said, you know, in five years time, you're going to be pivotal. But it was a long term project. And I do think had Ferguson been in charge of Manchester United with Zaha as a player, he would have made it there. My mm-hmm. perspective on it is you, you don't keep a club like ours pretty much single-handedly at times in the Premier League for close to 10 years, unless you are a true difference maker. And I do genuinely believe that if he was playing for a Spurs or playing for a Man City or playing for an Arsenal, his whole perception in terms of the way that neutrals look at him would be totally different because there have been seasons, not necessarily under Patrick Vieira, but across the last five or six years where he has been the, the sort of lightning rod, the man who has picked the club up and carried on his back. So, People talk about inconsistencies. No player is perfect 100% of the time. And often he's being double and triple marked by defenders and it's very, very difficult. You know, it happens to be in the current guys that you've got Eze, you've got Elise, Edouard, etc. There are different tools now. But yeah, yeah, I I love him. And it's a mark of how much we all care about him. I think he's going to leave in the summer and no one's really going to bear any ill will towards him because he's earned it. He deserves it. And if he does choose to go and play for a Champions League club, then he's got every right to do that, I think. Do you think that he will go? Do you think someone yeah. in the top six, um, in inverted brackets, um, will will come in for him and, and give him that last two, three-year contract Absolutely. with him being 30 years old? Yeah. A- Absolutely, because he's free. So, so mm. the thing is, we've offered him 150 grand a week. He's mm. on 125 now, and we've tried, we've offered to up that to 150, and he said no. It's not about money at this point. It's about him testing himself at the highest level. I, there were Spurs fans when we lost to them 
shamefully 4-0 the other day. And they were singing, you're just a shit Aaron Lennon at him. And I couldn't help but laugh because we all know that come the summer, they're going to be all over social media. Oh, come and sign for us. Come and play for yeah, us. Yeah. Arsenal will be the same. I, I guarantee you now, let, let's not forget, Nicolas Pepe went to Arsenal when Unai Emery wanted Zaha and they paid £72 million to Nicolas Pepe. 72 We were saying £50 million quid, right? And everyone said, you're out of your head, like £50 million. And they paid £72 million for Pepe. And there is not a, there is not a sane football fan on the planet who would suggest <laughs> to me. This is no this is no slight on Nicolas Pepe, by the way. But well, it's, it's, it's a little bit now. I understand why though. He wasn't he didn't live up to seventy million pounds, especially at that time. No one is saying that he's on a level with Zaha. Like he's done it yeah. consistently in the Prem for ten years. It's ridiculous. Mm. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a, a Zaha rather than a Palace podcast, but it, it does, <laughs> no, I asked the question. It does annoy me. Like it, it genuinely does because I feel like our status as a club dictates his view in the minds of neutrals. And I think mm. if he was playing for a club that had more respect on the footballing landscape, then he wouldn't be looked upon in the same way at all. Um, we'll get on to the game, um, but we, we've talked about Zaha there. Um, come Saturday in your squad now, for people who might not keep much of an eye on Palace, who's who's that other difference maker that you, if, if say they went on the team sheet come Saturday, you'd be thinking, OK, we've got less of a chance of winning this game now? It depends. I mean, if you talk about a difference maker, then it has to be Michael Elise from an attacking point of view. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this or watching this will have seen the free kick he yeah. scored. He's, he's capable of ridiculous things, Michael. He's a little bit lightweight still. He's still having edges knocked off him. But in terms of natural ability, I've I've seen very little like him at Palace in my time going because he can just do all sorts. But in, in terms of importance to the eleven, for me, it's Mark Gay or Chet Decore. You know, there's been plenty of talk about Joachim Anderson, which I understand because as a centre-back, he's capable of spraying 50 and 60-yard passes. And he misses, he misses and, the game Saturday, doesn't he? Yeah, he's out He's out for three or four weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. But we actually had Chris Richards make his first start for us um, since signing last night, and he was fantastic, if truth be told. Uh, he's still just 22, signed a five-year deal from Bayern Munich. He's a lot quicker than Joachim Anderson, and he's better in the air as well. So I'm not suggesting he's a better footballer because mm. Anderson is a fantastic technical footballer. But from a defensive perspective, it's almost I'm sort of hesitant to say this after one start, but it feels like it might be a little bit of an upgrade defensively. Yeah. Mark Gay and Chet Decore are just fantastic footballers. I have no idea how we managed to get Mark Gay in for the price that we did from Chelsea. It's a travesty for me that he didn't go away with England to Qatar. I saw Conor Cody go in there and I was just like, there is no way. I mean, once again, this isn't a slight on Conor Cody. I just don't understand what Mark Gay could have done more. He's a fantastically confident defender. He's got pace. He's got the good ability to read the game. He's a leader. He can, you know, he's just got everything you'd want other than maybe a couple more inches of height. And Chet Decore in the middle of the park is just the engine room, really. So if we missed one of those two, I'd be... Very, very concerned about our chances of keeping you at bay. I mean, uh, Olise, um, I've t- I took a keen um, interest in him since that. Was it an FA Cup game against Millwall where we were away and he scored and scored a very good goal? And I just thought, you know, the he, crowd as well. Yeah, he looked very, he looked very bright. So, I mean, Eze, I've, I've, I've been a fan of his. Like, he, I mean, again, just he's, he's still quite young, isn't he, Eze? 24, 23. 24, so, no. fair, fair. But, um, I mean, definitely from my side of things, I always look at them players, your Zaha's, your Eze's, and Lisa, 
they're very much the the ones that can hurt you going forward. Um, uh, but then you, you don't think about the, the solid players. I feel I think that's very much the the away side uh, mentality to re concentrate on the attackers rather than those really mm. solid foundation central defensive midfielders, centre centre backs. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. So. On the flip side of things, I mean, I'm not in the habit of forcing fans to slag off their team or anything, but is there a player that could be starting Saturday that you think maybe he's in a weak link but has the potential to maybe cost you a mistake or something? It, it's difficult. There's no there's no one player that I look towards who I, you know, there have been seasons where, you know, I don't like Luka Milivojevic, for example. That That, that right. is just a fact. Right? I, I can't <laughs> get away from it. Even though he's our club captain, I, I see him come on. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I, I don't want him anywhere near the team. Right? But he, he's no longer part of the squad, really. Like he came on last night, but it's like a bit part thing. Whereas when he was starting, it was giving me nightmares. The, the fullbacks, uh, not so much Tyreek, but on the right hand side, it's no criticism of Joel Ward and Nathaniel Klein, but we do need an upgrade on the right hand side of our back four. They've been very good, loyal servants to us over a number of years. But obviously, Aaron went to Man United. Three years ago now, I think it was. Uh, and we signed Nathan Ferguson from West Brom to be his long-term replacement. And he's literally played 25 minutes of Premier League football because he's been injured the entire time. And that's no one's fault. You know, it's just a, a really sad sort of turn of events. He's actually out of contract this summer coming. Uh, so it looks like he's pretty much just going to wave goodbye to us without ever making any impact. But that in itself is something we've needed to address for a number of years. And... You know, given your attacking talents and, and how much momentum you've built over the last few weeks, if you do do build up ahead of steam and get out our right backs, there is a chance that you could cause us problems. Um, but at the same time, you know, I could sort of point towards Vicente Gaeta, not because of shot stopping, but because we try to play a more possession based style than we have in recent years. And for my money, he's just not really comfortable with his feet mm. and never has been. Um, that was sort of evident against Southampton. He dropped a clanger and allowed Adam Armstrong to score the second goal for them. But, I mean, obviously, ball-playing goalkeepers are a premium anyway, and it's not something we've necessarily looked to secure, but it's something you can certainly exploit if you put him under pressure with the ball at his feet. Well, that's certainly something we've been trying to do all season, this pressing game at Eddie Housen still. But in terms of uh, the game itself, it's been a mixed bag against a very, very mixed bag. Uh, Newcastle Palace in the last, I've just looked at the last 10 games, four to Newcastle, three to Palace, three draws. At Sellers Park, the last three games, one win for Newcastle, one win for Palace, one draw. Um, Newcastle are going to go into this, um, obviously buoyed by the, the, the late win against Fulham. Uh, we still have only lost one game all season away to Liverpool. But we're going to be missing a certain Mr. Bruno Gimaresh by the looks of things, which might force us to go into those wide areas, like you've just said. That might be we might get some joy there. But Bruno's massive part of how we play. Um, you've said that you would take a good point, but I mean, have you got much hope of three points? Do you have what's your prediction? My, my prediction, I'll never predict us on these fan opposition things to lose because I just can't do it. <laughs> but but at the same time, I don't want to look like a dickhead and say we're going to beat you because that because <laughs> that just makes it look as bad anyway. So I will probably say a one-one draw again. Like I, I back us to, to be honest, and this is something I've been saying to my Palace mates over the last few days. We lost to Chelsea on Sunday, but it felt to me like we were rediscovering a bit of, of our DNA. And I, mm. I, I, it's impossible to sort of put a tangible reason for that. There, there will be certain people that have seen it. I dare say many people haven't. There was one issue 
with Conor Gallagher on the pitch with about 10 minutes to go at Stanford Bridge, where he went down and pretended he was injured, but he wasn't. And obviously, he's been on loan with us. We all know him. Mark Gay is a very close friend of Conor Gallagher's. And Mark Gay leant over him, had a go at him, picked him up. He fell to the floor again. And then Mark Gay, Wilfred Zaha, Will Hughes and Mateta all crowded around him and pretty much was just like, get off the fucking pitch. That, <laughs> that in itself made me as happy as an equaliser would because it felt like we, we have been very soft for a, a number of weeks. And it's actually something I complimented Eddie Howe and Newcastle about a, a week or two ago. I got a bit of stick back from Newcastle fans for some reason because I said he's a master of the dark arts. It's not a criticism. 100%. It's It's... All top clubs do it. All top mm-hmm. clubs need a nasty streak. They need to, not to tell people that they won't be messed around with, but just just understand game management. And we, yeah. we are starting to do that again now. We're, we're snapping into 50-50s. We're getting into the opposition's face. We're causing them to feel uncomfortable. And, and that has not been the case since the World Cup ended, really. And, and it started to come back in these last two games. So I'm hoping regardless of the, the run you've been on, the quality that you've got in your squad now with Isaac and even Joe Linton. I think Joe Linton's been a revelation yeah. in the middle of the park for you. But I, I sort of do have hope that we can get another point on the board or possibly even three. You know, once we equalised mm-hmm. last night, we did actually nearly go on and snatch it. It was only a, a great tackle from Wan-Bissaka that stopped Zaha being on a goal. So I, th- I think there is a belief starting to build again. Well, I mean, when you said they're all getting flack of Newcastle supporters for saying what you said, I mean, they'll be the same supporters or fans who, when we played Leeds on uh, New Year's Eve, they came and set up just to frustrate us um, and play them at their game. Um, time wasting all over the place, you know, and they'll be the fans who are going on Twitter saying that, oh, Leeds are pathetic, do, these tactics are horrible, but then literally days later we go to Arsenal do the exact same thing but just defend a little bit more classily but we totally totally run down the clock by going down by dragging with feet and stuff like that and then all of a sudden it's a great away point every side needs, yeah every side has to have them in them I mean Newcastle are nowhere near there yet where we can just go and play sides like Arsenal or go a, a tough away games and try and stroke the ball about and play free flowing attack on football if we're if we're 1-0 up Dan tomorrow, or by the odd goal, or winning by the odd goal, with ten minutes to go, you'll be cursing Newcastle United because we'll be doing everything that people hate, and I don't well, mind that because it's what, yeah, yeah, I have I have no problem with that. That that's that's mm-hmm. what you like. All right, so last night we played Man United, right, and I, I'm sitting mm-hmm. there and I'm thinking you're going to get Man United fans saying we've robbed them of a point or because they had better XG or they had more of the ball. How are you supposed to, to go into these games with lesser budgets and everything else and, and go toe to toe with them? It would be, it would be suicide for us to try and match Manchester United from a free flowing football perspective. It makes no sense. So you have to go about it a certain way. It, I just, it's what makes football football. So if yeah. you do come and you're one nil up with ten or fifteen minutes to go, of course you're going to be laying on the floor. Chelsea did it to us the other day, and they yeah. won a European Cup. It's just, <laughs> it's frustrating, but it's part of the, it's part of the deal. Sorry if you've got so, any feedback from my kid, by the way, he's screaming. No, that's fine. It's absolutely fine. Uh, so if I pressure for a score, Dan, what are we going for? One one. 
I'm feeling the same. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm known for being a bit of a pessimist. I say it on every video, but I, I feel it's still going to be very, <coughs> excuse me, tough place to go. Um, I feel like it might be a mirror's image a little bit, though, of the game last season where you were very much on the front foot, had most of the possession, went 1-0 up, and out of nowhere, we equalised Callum Wilson yeah. over a kick. Very much, I, just, I, just, I have a feeling that that might happen again. I hope it doesn't. Hope I'm completely wrong and we comfortably get three points. But I just have this little feeling. Um, but we, we will see what happens. Um, again, mm. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. We know you're very, very busy. Uh, best of luck with the, the podcast, the YouTube channel. Tell everyone where we, we can find you online. So I'm on Twitter at HLTCO. Uh, the YouTube link is HLTCO Media. I've got to get used to saying that because it's new. <laughs> Um, and then Patreon as well, which the links are on my YouTube or on my Twitter account. It's just Patreon and then forward slash HLTCO. I do uh, two podcasts every single morning, one about Palace specifically and one about football generally. So, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, stuff. Well, thanks again. Best of luck with all of that, Dan. Again, thank you no very worries. much for coming on. Appreciate you, busy. Nice to everyone who's watching. Yeah, man, th thank you so much. To everyone who's been watching, um, thank you for watching. Um, please do all the good stuff. Comment on the video what you think is going to happen on Saturday. Give that thing a like as well. And if you haven't already, what the hell are you doing if you're a new Aston supporter? Follow Gallagher Shots on Twitter. <laughs> subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, and just, yeah, we'll, we'll keep these videos coming for you. But uh, until then, thanks for watching and we'll see you soon. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.